Los Angeles. It's the at home edition of the Life Changes Show. With tonight's guest, sociologist, author, and founder of 4IQ, Dr. Randall Bell. And musical guest, Carolina. I am Mark Leisure, and now our host, DMC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. I have had good reason to think on a lot of things thanks to our guest tonight on the show. I've thought about some of the great stories he's going to tell and uh, and how and how interesting they are, but more than interesting, how important they are. And maybe even more important than important is how much they could be um, like stories that we could be, might want to be, should be, would be telling each other over and over and over again. So I have I have said in the past how as I was uh, a lot younger, I remember watching uh, certain TV shows and laughing and laughing at how people in relationship or friends or what have you treated each other on some of our favorite uh, TV shows. And as I grew up and learned more and I had stopped watching them for various reasons and I came back to watch some of them, I thought, wow, uh, if we treated our friends like that in real life, I don't think we'd have friends or our or our wives or husbands. And and then I thought, well, wait a minute, people do treat each other like that. And are we learning from what's happening on TV or is TV mimicking what we're doing? And so um, I thought back on the trauma. So we're going to be talking about trauma and drama. And I thought, well, really, in real life, we've had some very dramatic, traumatic experiences happen to the world and to our communities and to our country and to our families. And where are the role models of how to handle that? And I was thinking, well, 9-11, and we might touch on that with our guest. Uh, but 9-11, uh, I, I remember a story about a lady who who got money from the government uh, for having had a tragedy happen to her husband. Actually, he passed. And and then instead of sharing the money with her children, she got uh, all kinds of gifts for herself. And I don't want to judge her, but that's the story I remember. And another family who didn't get money and they were fighting to get money and to prove. And, and those are the stories I remember hearing about in the news. And what about the people who who did get money and and did something with it to help other people. And how come I didn't hear that story over and over and over again? And Oklahoma bombing or, you know, and, and with what's going on in the world right now, I, I think I want to hear more and more and more stories of people that are not just surviving, but thriving, how they're doing it. Because I know a lot of people that are suffering and they might want to learn how to do it. And uh, we have a guest who is going to share exactly that tonight on the show. We have Dr. Randall Bell on the show. And a little later on, interestingly enough, she's just come out recently with a CD called Songs of Hope. And what better uh, music to have to the show tonight is to have the music of Carolina. All on the Life Changes show when we come back right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? 
Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All Phi Beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at PhiBeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, Beads.com. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network, with your host, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows on our archive page at LifeChangesShow.com, which include luminaries such as comedian Michael Collier, actress Gabriella Wright, performing artist James Hood, and author Ken Honda. Email your comments and questions to info at lifechangesnetwork.com or askdorothy at lifechangesshow.com. You can also comment via Twitter at Life Changes Show and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. We are back. I am host Filippo Voltaggio online with our producer and co-host Mark Lejour. Well, I can't wait for tonight's show. The uh, the positive energy we got going into this. The uh, the singers fantastic, and boy, does this world need more of what we're going to talk about tonight. Well, I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so our our guest, uh, there's so much that can be said about him because he has been involved in so many things. But we have titled the show Life Skills That Have a Measurable Positive Impact. Those are his words. He's an economist, a sociologist, the founder of Core IQ and author of Post Traumatic Thriving. Welcome, Dr. Randall Bell, to the show. Filippo, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And so uh, at the end of this show, I, I'm, I'm trusting that there are going to be sitcoms that have learned from what you have to share tonight. And we're going to get to watch them and movies and we can learn how to handle some of the stuff that's going on right now. I absolutely hope so. I think the science and the, and the uh, academic research is solid. So that's where we're going to go. Absolutely. Well, you uh, you have found yourself in certain situations, actually a lot of situations, where you would get the kind of answers that you're going to help us with. Can you just share how you ended up there and what you got a little bit from, from the different experiences? Well, sure. Decades ago, I started my career as an economist, and uh, long story short, I ended up specializing in disasters. And that took me to places like the Bikini Atoll, uh, where they detonated nuclear bombs, uh, I worked on the World Trade Center, Flight 93 crash site, the O.J. Simpson case, John Benet Ramsey. Right now, I'm working on Hurricane Harvey down in Texas. I've worked on hundreds of these cases on seven continents. And as an economist, it was interesting work. But sitting down with the people behind the statistics, I found to be far more interesting. So I went back to school um, and uh, specialized in sociology, specifically in in trauma-related issues. And that's 
in my mind, this discussion is so important because trauma, unresolved trauma, is the number one problem facing the world. And I will stand by that. And everybody experiences some kind of trauma and usually a lot of it throughout their life, right? Uh, absolutely, Filippo. I, the statistics are that by college age, 66 to 85 percent of uh, college age students have have been through at least one trauma. Uh, by the time we get uh, to be adults, it's pretty much 100 percent. So it impacts us all. Okay, so uh, you know, you, you you said you got into this, uh, and and I've heard you say quite by accident. And interestingly enough, you actually grew up with people who did some extraordinary things with the trauma they had. So it's interesting how you 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 were born to do this in a way. Well, I was, and, and, you know, I was actually born with a trauma myself. I had open heart surgery when I was 11 years old. And uh, so I suffered through a trauma in childhood and, and childhood trauma is out of trauma. That's, that's the, you know, the most impactful, but yeah, two streets away uh, lived Leo Fender who invented the electric guitar. And I knew, I know his family and uh, Leo had an eye out and uh, was deaf. He had an amplifier blow his hearing out. But he went on to, to build one of the most, if not the most successful musical instrument uh, businesses in the world. It's a billion dollar industry. And then down the street, the, going the other direction was Troy High School, where I went to high school with Jerry Jewell. Jerry is the first disabled person in history to land a starring role in on network television. Jerry uh, starred in Facts of Life. I just had Easter uh, dinner with her. I, I love her. We're very close. And uh, she just started on HBO's Deadwood, and she's spoken at the White House three times um, advocating disabled causes. So, yes, I, I've had some great role models right, right in the neighborhood. So potentially you, you know their stories and you know what they did, but, but you, you boil it down to three choices that anybody uh, either, either consciously or unconsciously makes when they face a trauma. I do. The book, Post Traumatic Thriving, is divided into three sections. Um, the first stage are five chapters on diving. That's where we go through shock and denial and anger and usually land on depression. And then the survive stage is where we stabilize. We get back on our feet and we kind of confront what happened. We sort things out and start ex uh, you know, exploring and accepting. And then the, the final section is the thrive stage. That's really interesting because that's where we tap into that energy because trauma creates a lot of a lot of fuel and so we tap into that energy and we do something magnificent and that's what the book's all about is is to tap into the the uh, mess of it all and come out with something not just good but something great wow and and you have some great stories that go along with it not just the the people that you mentioned there uh, so w before we move on to some of the steps and, and some of the stages and, and what we could learn from this at, for trauma that is either happening now or that could happen, what about the ones of us who did experience trauma as a child and have either forgotten about it or held it back? Or, or you know, like, how do we how do we tackle that? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that, Filippo, because that's the critical thing. And I'll use myself as a bad example because I was born with a congenital, a congenital heart defect. As I mentioned, I had open heart surgery, and I did exactly the classic wrong thing. And that, and I wasn't ever taught in school how to handle trauma. So right. I did what the instinct was. It was an embarrassing, ugly topic, and I buried it. 
and I, I hid from it. I never brought it up. I was, I was thoroughly uh, embarrassed by it. And, um, and that's the classic wrong thing because when you hold things inside, it, you may look okay on the outside, but inside there's an internal war. And that's really what we're trying to tackle and uh, going through post-traumatic thriving is address that internal war. So I'm thinking about some of the steps that I've learned from you already and, and, and aspects of the book. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, one of the aspects is to, was it sit in the fire? What are the exact words? Yeah, sit in the fire. I actually learned that because I volunteer up in San Quentin prison. And uh, that's, of course, where California's death row is. And I learned the term sit in the fire from, from the inmates because it's that having those ugly conversations about things that were uh, traumatizing to us. And again, that's very embarrassing. But the inmates, and, and I had to do it with, with my situation, everybody inevitably who wants to thrive has to find a trusted person and, and, or a therapist, preferably, or a friend who will not dish out anecdotal advice and scream and run out of the room or, or uh, you know, can, can listen to the story in confidence. Confidence is, is essential. Or until you find that person, you can journal. But simply expressing what you went through uh, is profoundly healing. It's, it's difficult. It's ugly. You know, uh, a lot of emotions. But getting it out uh, is an essential step. So uh, to take it back to childhood trauma or young adult trauma, for those of us who are adults, uh, sometimes it, it might come out as if somebody has had some kind of substance. That, that might not be the time to talk about it, though, right? The timing is really up to the person with the trauma. You know, it, it comes when they're ready. When inmates, I'll use the inmates as an example because it's such a powerful, there's such powerful messaging. But when they walk into prison, there's usually this, this hard macho exterior and this swag and this denial and, and this pr pretended innocence and all, all that goes with it. But I can tell you in talking to this, these inmates that at night they're wetting the bed, they're terrified, mm -hmm. uh, they, are, they are profoundly uh, depressed. And it may take a month or it may take a year and it's up to the inmate. And in the meantime, they may tell you lies and you may know their lies, but those are just to protect their, their emotions. But when they're ready and, and they share their story with people that they trust, I, I, it's, I, I, I can't think of a more spiritual experience to see someone come clean and take responsibility uh, for for the damage they did to someone else, to the damage they did to their family, the damage that they did to themselves, or whatever the trauma is, uh, maybe the damage was done to us. Maybe we were abused. But but the healing that comes out of just talking about what actually happened, the raw facts, is profoundly spiritual and healing. So I uh, so I'm thinking what I so we we can approach somebody that we trust and the word confidence you're using it to mean that they're not just going to share it on the internet or with uh, indiscriminately to other people that's what you mean right exactly you cannot share it with anybody no exceptions uh in the, in with the inmate situation it's very serious because if these stories get out they could lose their parole they could get uh, uh knived in the in the prison yard i mean we're talking about life or death issues on the physical side but on the emotional side the damage we can do emotionally by breaking a confidence is staggering so we've got to find and that's why i recommend a therapist with the licensing they cannot tell anybody if they do they lose their license um 
but confidence is 100% essential. So I'm trying to think you, you're helping us learn tonight how, how to approach certain things. And, and I know this is very basic. I'm actually looking for words that one can say to a friend, I am dealing with a trauma. Because I, I, as, a, as a life coach, I hear this all the time. I just fought with my friend and I, have, and I just fought with my mom. I just fought with my dad, you know, my, my wife. And so uh, to, to be able to talk to somebody, say, I want, I need to talk to somebody can that somebody be you? Can we pick a time? If it's not, if it's not a therapist, if it's not a therapist, you want to. You, you, everything you said, I would, I would uh, second. I would just add that you want to say, you know, I have some ugly things to share, and if you need to take a time out, or if you don't want to hear these things, if it's going to traumatize you by me sharing right. these, I want to be respectful of that. Right. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. And so. Uh, now let's dive. What's that about? <laughs> dive is, you know, I, I tell people when you read the book, Post Traumatic Thriving, don't skip ahead because experience e or re-experiencing each emotion helps in the healing process. Although it can be, it can be uh, painful and you may be triggered. You might need to take a break, but you got to go through each process. Chapter one is on shock. And I talk about the physio physiological aspects of the brain and what shock actually is. And we do this with the inmates. We do this in the homeless shelters because if you understand that the emotions that you're feeling surging through your, your veins is actual, actually nature and can be explained and is normal and healthy and depression is okay and anger is okay. As long as you don't hurt yourself or you don't hurt others, anger is, is a normal, natural, healthy response to trauma. So I go through all these steps, but instead of shaming people, I take a completely opposite approach, which is far more, uh, not only more, far more healthy, it's backed by the science, to, to accept that these are normal physiological reactions when we face a trauma. So the book is Post-Traumatic Thriving, The Art, Science, and Stories of Resilience. And speaking of uh, stories, can, can we have another story? Uh, how about... Uh, the man that was supposed to go to the the Olympics. Yeah, that was a college buddy of mine, and uh, and uh, he trained his entire life since practically a toddler to uh, go for track and field. He was a shot putter, and he trained for uh, well for twenty years uh, for the Olympics, and he he was expected to not only go, he was expected to win. That happened to be the year where Jimmy Carter called off the Olympics because of the dispute, of course, between the U.S. and Russia. And uh, his life was devastated. Everything he had worked for for 20 years was just flushed and gone. And it was traumatic for him. And, you know, he went through these stages. He was in shock. He, he was in denial. He was angry. He tried bargaining and having the coach call the White House. Uh, he, he, went, he slipped into depression. And he was normally a very upbeat guy. And um, and it was it was devastating. But the story doesn't stop there because he, he took that fuel, that energy, and he fueled it into something uh, important. Today, my buddy has 10 uh, distribution distribution centers around the world. He employs hundreds of people. And, and more than that, far more important than that. He knows the, all the employees by name. He goes all around the world to the distribution facilities. He knows the janitor's name. And he uh, talks about their lives. And he asks 
how the kids are. And if the kid wants a football and uh, he'll show up the next day with a football. I mean, he's just engaged with his employees and he takes so much and he should. Uh, he gets so much joy out of helping people. Um, and and the, the business is a business and it makes money. I get that. But I think what's far more important with, to him is the connection with, with people and he cares for his employees like no, nothing I've ever seen before. And I would, I would definitely classify him as a thriver. He's, he thoroughly loves life. I, I feel these stories are so important because uh, I, I didn't know that story. I, of course, I know some great stories. I, I don't, even in, in my life where I'm around positive people and, and I read a lot of positive things, I, I don't know so many of the stories that you are sharing and I'm I'm loving knowing them and loving sharing them with our audience. And the, the they they could also help somebody who has a current trauma that could be similar, could be a sports person, and then they say, Well, we don't know what's gonna happen ten years from now and what you're going to do with this. You're exactly right. And the thing is, trauma hits us all and we have choices. The problem is not the problem. The problem is what we're going to do with the problem and making those important, critical uh, decisions, those conscientious decisions to to go through the process of grief, but to end up on top. And not only that, capitalize on that energy and do something that we're really woken up to do, really tap into our passion. So we're going to talk about Core IQ uh, and CoreIQ.com. Of course, they can get the book at CoreIQ.com, right? Uh, yeah, and you can get it at you know everywhere. It's it's everywhere. Right. Okay. So, uh, but as we get into Core IQ, as we're sharing these stories and talking about what we don't learn in school, you actually have you're one of these people actually that that is making a difference in that way as well. Please tell us about Core IQ. Well, <laughs> I used to be a managing director at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And imagine this, you're in the world's largest consulting firm. You run a team around the country, around the world. And I, I noticed that a lot of the people that I w- were hiring were brilliant in terms of uh, technology and, and technical issues and abilities. But when it came to things like time management or negotiation skills or being really frank, table manners, you know, at a business lunch, uh, they didn't have those skills. So I went to one of the, my partners and I said, hey, uh, wh- where do we get training around here for uh, these kind of basic core, I think, core IQ things? I wasn't calling it core IQ at the time, but these core skills. And he didn't really know. And inside the world's largest consulting firm, we, we had no ability to train our own people in these essentials. So... <laughs> So I went and hired a bunch of people and you're paying these professionals $15,000 a day to teach them time management. It's like, this is not, A, this is not that hard. This is not rocket science. And B, you know, executives uh, are not the only one that needs these skills. My kids need these skills. Everybody Mm. needs these skills. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to put some money into Core IQ. I'm going to make these skills available at no charge. Um, and, uh, and that's what I did. And if you go to coreiq.com, there's all kinds of life skills. There's all, they're all free. There's not a place to put in your credit card if you wanted to. Um, and I, it's just because I feel passionately, we all need these fundamental skills. Mm. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. I couldn't agree more. And, and it's interesting that some executives, uh, they have, 
uh, people that, that they could hire and all that. But the kids, uh, they, they, especially nowadays with this kind of schedules that some kids are keeping sports and et cetera, uh, they they need it because they're getting stressed out and and they're also experiencing things on relationship levels that some people didn't experience until adulthood in in different uh, uh, age groups. You're exactly right, and and some kids are bullied, and some kids are are the bully. There's all kinds of life skills. There's all kinds of coping mechanisms, and there's there's uh, social skills. I, I bring it all to the table. Um, and I bring in, with each episode, I bring in an expert in the field or somebody to have a dialogue and a discussion with. And then uh, because I go into the courtroom so much, there's there's kind of these uh, one-page jury exhibits that explain the, pr- the principles and the concepts in a very straightforward way. Those are all there as PDFs. It's all free. Uh, people are using it all over the world. And I'm, I'm pretty thrilled, you know, to make a little contribution in that area. Uh, a medical doctor wrote of your book. It's brilliant. Dr. Bell Bridges, a journey from grief to growth. I like that grief to growth, uh, growth from grief. Uh, amazing. This is a classic wisdom on healing from our heartbreaking disasters and ultimately enjoying a fulfilling life. Uh, you know, I, I know you, the statistics you, you mentioned earlier in the show are staggering, but I, I think that actually is conservative. I, I think trauma can happen every day for some people. It does. I mean, you know, and I know certain people that just have these enchanted lives. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's wonderful. I'm kind of jealous. But, you know, by people, by the time people hit their 40s or 50s, they've lost a loved one. Uh, they've gone through a divorce or a disease or, you know, any number of these things. They cause trauma. And so ultimately, it impacts us all. I, you know, doctor, I do not know anybody that has an enchanted life. I know a lot of people that their lives look enchanting. But when I've gotten to know the people, uh, it's far from it. So I, I know looks can be very deceiving. And and you, you have a, a, another a great story of a person who's out there doing some amazing things. And was a convicted murderer. Yes. I met JC in in San Quentin. He was uh, a young man. He was convicted of murder as a 17-year-old with California laws. It didn't matter the fact that he was not at the crime scene when the murder occurred. He had nothing to do with it. But because he had participated in a crime, he was convicted as if he committed the murder. He went to prison for, uh, I think, uh, 25 years to life. And he's a 17-year-old kid from Oakland. And uh, his, his school dreams, he had been accepted in colleges that were all dashed. Uh, you know, he landed in prison. Well, he was paroled after 22 years. And I just went, I, I can't make this stuff up. I just went to J.C.'s college graduation. And let me tell you, J.C. graduated with honors. I am the first to tell you, I did not graduate with honors. I don't have the IQ. I don't have the mental horsepower. He does. Now he's earning his PhD. He's married to a beautiful, he has a beautiful wife, a beautiful son, and he's just on fire. And he, and he's also a community volunteer. He's the kind of guy who I would love to have as a next door neighbor. And I mean that sincerely. I've had him in my home. He, he actually teaches uh, training and development courses for my team and my um, uh, business. 
And uh, I'm proud to call him a friend. And um, he, and frankly, I learned a lot of the principles that are in, that are in the book from JC because uh, he really studied this in prison and put his time to, to good use while he was there. Wow. Wow. What a story. Well, you're attracting these people and you're the right person to do it because you put it into a story for us to to digest and and to talk about. I know you've done lots and lots of uh, big shows and little shows, and, and we're so glad you're doing that. Post-Traumatic Thriving, The Art, Science, and Stories of Resilience. Uh, you, you could get the book at uh, 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 coreiq.com. Uh, you can also get it anywhere books are sold. But all of the stuff that uh, Dr. Bell just mentioned at coreiq.com. It's it's so interesting, and I look forward to a couple more minutes with uh, Dr. Bell when we come back. Uh, a little later on in the show, we're going to have our Ask Dorothy question, and then we're going to have our musical guest, Carolina, all on the show at Home Edition right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to the Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome LA, with your host, Filippo Voltaggio. You can visit us online at lifechangesshow.com, via Twitter at Life Changes Show and Facebook at the Life Changes Show. We have titled this episode of the Life Changes Show Life Skills That Have a Measurable Positive Impact. Words from our guest, who is an economist, sociologist, founder of Core IQ, and author of Post Traumatic Thriving, Dr. Randall Bell. Uh, Dr. Bell, I love how you say in your words, Having researched over a thousand damage cases around the world, I can say that the world is a tough place. I'm in a pretty good position to, quote, tell it as it is. However, I rather focus on telling it as it can be. Yeah, I, uh, I, that's kind of at the heart of, of kind of my mission, my, my, uh, my passion. Because the world is a tough place, and all you have to do is turn on the evening news, and you know you're filled up with tragedies from all over the world, and it, that in and of itself can frankly be traumatizing. But it can be better because if we get curriculum and we get a discussion, just like we're having right now, which is a really critically important life skill on on how to manage trauma in a positive, um, 
uh, way, then we make the world a better place. And if we don't make the world a better place, we're going to make our world a better place. And and that's that's a step in the right direction. So I, I feel like I'm going to spend the rest of my life really preaching this, for lack of a better word, because it's so important that we have these life skills so we can handle our traumas with some dignity and with some some principles that are scientifically proven to really work. You know, this seems so hard and so far away, and yet on some level it can be easy. I wonder if we can, without without uh, being disrespectful to the whole process, that if, if there's a, a netted out experience, I'm having a trauma right now, I'm going to sit and be in the fire, right? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because in the academic literature, post-traumatic growth is is a separate and apart literature from, you know, you're in a, a traumatic situation right now. And I'm not a first responder. I really don't have an expertise in traumatic issues that are going through right now. In fact, I say right at the literally right at the very front of the book that if you're going through a trauma right now, put this book aside and take the steps, whatever they are. And I list a bunch of resources, but get away from that trauma. Once you're in a safe place, we're in a much better position to really working on the trauma. But for example, if someone's in an abusive relationship, um, the, the book is is kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, you're getting cut on your hand and you're put on a bandaid, but then comes another cut. You got to get away from the whole, you know, abuse entirely. Then read the book. Okay, great. All right. So then, past trauma. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. That's excellent. Uh, past trauma, and I've uh, picked a therapist or a friend, and I and I've said something to the effect of. I have something I want to share with you that's difficult for me and might be difficult for you. Are you willing and able to be there with me and for me? And oh, by the way, picking somebody who's not going to say, oh, yeah, that happened to me. Just get over it. Or or this one time in my story. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I told my sister once I kind of opened up to one of my sisters uh, that I was feeling trauma from from my childhood heart surgery. And I was in my uh, 40s, I think. And when I said that, and she says, oh, that was so long ago, just forget it. I mean, uh, that's not helpful. Um, and I love my sister. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I, she didn't have the training either, but you, that's not the approach. <laughs> okay. So, so here you are, you have somebody, a, a therapist or a, a coach or a good, good friend uh, who's going to sit and listen. Is it about rehashing the story or about how we feel about the story or what 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 is that moment about in sharing? It's a, yeah, it's a terrific question because it's about getting that garbage out that you, we've bottled up inside and getting it out. And by the way, you could add journaling to that list. If you haven't found that right person or you can't afford a therapist, write it down on a piece of paper or keep a journal. But getting the story out in and of itself is shown scientifically, academically, over and over again to have healing properties. You say something else has very interesting healing properties, uh, and that is grounding meditation. Yes. We use, in prison and in the jails and some battered women's shelters, we use the term grounding because some people feel that meditation has a religious connotation. And um, and so they're not comfortable with the word. Some people are. So we just use the word grounding. But 
frankly, they're synonymous. And I don't have a problem with the word meditation. In fact, I like it. But out of respect for people that, uh, you know, where it's triggering, that's what we do. But the, the, the science is, there is profound. Deep breathing exercises literally rewire the brain. Um, when, when trauma occurs, uh, you know, we can talk about the physiological effects. We frankly have three different brains. We have the inner reptilian brain, which is full of instincts, raw instincts, the mammal brain in the middle, which is full of a lot of emotions. And then the outer brain, which is the human brain, where we get into logic and teamwork and things that the animal kingdom doesn't, doesn't have. Um, but when trauma occurs, we go from the outer human brain right to the reptilian brain, and it changes our brain uh, chemistry. It changes our neurological uh, pathways. So deep breathing exercises, while they are very simple, they are incredibly important. There's at least 20 studies to come out of Harvard Medical School itself. Uh, um, and I, I just don't recall the author's name offhand, but I've read the studies and just deep breathing literally rewires the brain. It brings a sense of mindfulness. And, and we do, the first time I ever meditated in my life, I was in San Quentin prison, sitting between two convicted murders. And uh, it was profound. And then when I had recurring heart issues, my cardiologist uh, recommended meditation. So I got it from both sides and, and I woke up and started meditating. And for me, it had a profound effect. For anybody, it has a profound effect because it literally rewires the brain. And the meditation, uh, do you, does one, so, so obviously meditation in general, I'm thinking specific to what we're talking about, does one meditate on the experiences one had or, or tries to clear them? Is there any correlation to that? Yeah, we're not trying to think or clear the memories. What we're trying to do and that's why mantra meditation is so important. We're basically trying to, trying to bring our mind from thinking about the past or thinking about our anxiety over the future. We're trying to bring the brain to right now, to this point in time and being mindful of what's going on and what's going on physiologically. Like right now, we're, having, we're in the, what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. It's just kind of a, a calm human brain type of experience. When trauma hits, it literally takes us from a calm and switches the switch to stress and puts us in the sympathetic nervous system. And we get stuck there. I mean, neural, uh, with our nerves, we get stuck there. So the deep breathing, by focusing on now, instead of the regrets or guilt of the past or the, or the uh, shame of the past or the anxiety of the future, we're thinking about right now. And as we just have, uh, we can just think, uh, think of the word so on the inhale or hum on the exhale or whatever works for people. There's many ways to, to meditate that are all valid, but we are literally switching our brain's chemistry from stress to calm. Wow. Wow. I didn't expect that part of the conversation. And, and, uh, uh, to be, and this is all in the book, right? Post-traumatic thriving. Yeah. In fact, I have diagrams of the brain. I explain the chemistry. I have citations from the academic literature. Uh, this is not anecdotal. This is proven with brain scans out of Harvard medical school. Wow. 
Doctor, thank you for compiling. Obviously, you know all the stories that you told. You know everybody <laughs> whose story you told. You're attracting these people. You put the information in the book for all of us to digest, as I said earlier. And uh, I, I am thrilled that we have gotten to share your information uh, and that more people can learn, as you say, to not just survive, but thrive out of trauma. Yes, Filippo, it's, it's such an important discussion. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I've, I've enjoyed every second uh, speaking with you, and I, I hope I've said something to be helpful. Uh, absolutely. So post-traumatic post thriving, the art, science, and stories of resilience. Randall Bell, PhD, Dr. Bell, uh, find him uh, and his book all over the place, but you could also go to core, C-O-R-E-I-Q.com. What a pleasure. Looking forward to more, Dr. Bell. Thank you, Filippo. And with that, we have our Ask Dorothy question. Dear Dorothy, this is Amber, and I am grateful for all of the assistance you have provided me since I met you in Los Angeles years ago. When I asked you if it was okay for me to go to New York and take my 20-year-old cat with me, you asked me to make my best choice by examining all of my reasons for traveling to New York during this pandemic. I felt I had to go and stay with my brother while I was getting medical attention that I prefer to have done in New York. And now that I am here, my beloved pet refuses to eat, acts like she is sick, and hides from me. The veterinarian says she is okay, so why is she acting like this? Could it be that she doesn't get to go outside here and she is free to roam at home? And do you think I should cut my trip short and return home sooner than planned? Amber, when you asked me if you should go to New York and you explained that your brother's landlord said you are not welcome there, and when you told me that your brother also didn't want you to come, I asked you to consider how a hostile environment isn't good for anyone. Our beloved pets react to our energy and the energies of others around them by insisting on going to a place where you were told that you were not wanted. You placed yourself and your precious cat in a hostile environment. Only you can decide how long you should stay and what is in your highest and best good and in the highest and best good for your pet. You may want to check out a website, catster.com, which provides great cat info. They published a recent study that was done that proved cats hate change and will often act sick. I found the website fascinating and highly recommended to anyone with cats. My advice is to educate yourself and then make the choice that feels best for you and your pet. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. And we'll be right back with our musical guest, Carolina jazz vocalist and violist on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition right after this. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening. Someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. 
Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. Life Changes Show is a premier radio show presented by the Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and even celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, corporate giants, and children, we are here to help and to serve with heart, integrity, and experience We bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show, lifechangesnetwork.com, and through guest appearances on other inspiring shows and events. If you wish to learn more about Life Changes Life Coaching, a private consultation with one of us, corporate or live event appearances, or if you would like us to appear on your radio or TV shows, please email us at info at lifechangesnetwork.com. We're back. I am Filippo and have the pleasure of introducing our musical guest, who is a violist and a jazz vocalist who recently released a CD called Songs of Hope, which has uh, was considered for Grammy nomination. And we are happy to have her with us. Welcome, Carolina, to the Life Changes Show. Hello, and thank you for the invitation. <laughs> It's a pleasure, and I've had the pleasure of seeing you perform live, thanks to our mutual dear friend, uh, Peter Yandua Hudson. And it's a pleasure to have you here. You're listed as a Polish violist and jazz vocalist. As a matter of fact, you you were born in Poland, right? Yes, correct. That's why I listed it. As That's my right. origin. <laughs> uh, so, as a jazz vocalist, you are known as Carolina, and now I'm going to attempt, as a violist, you are known as Carolina Najemic. Is that close? That's correct. Yes, Carolina oh, Najemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. What made you choose Songs of Hope? Well, um, the whole project of of this CD that was actually released in in 2015 was to um, to honor um, heroes who were fighting for uh, for our peace and for our future, uh, honoring heroes of World War II um, who gave their lives on many fronts uh, for for the cause of being free and for the cause of uh, making better life for the future generations. Um, so all those songs that um, I presented on that CD uh, was mainly songs from the era of World War II and a little bit after as well. Uh, but I wanted to give a new interpretation to those songs and um 
through the arrangements that uh, was had on the city, I, I, I think I achieved the goal, and it was warmly uh, welcome. Um, and to this day, you know, I'm I'm happy that I did it. Well, I know that you have been warmly welcomed in the United States. As a matter of fact, your uh, musician's visa or your visa, uh, which was uh, you were recommended by the American Federation of Musicians as a violist of extraordinary ability. And you've gone on to not only record for the movies, you've gone on to teach many different uh, in different organizations and schools. And so... Uh, as a violist, uh, as well, uh, you uh, have excelled in, in very different ways. And now you have a project you're working on that we're going to get to share a little bit about. Please share, mm -hmm. tell, what, tell us what that's about. Yes, yeah, so um, I would say that mainly I'm a violist, and this is how I started. Um, and for right now, as the word is going through the changes in virtual teaching and stuff, it's a little um, more difficult for us musicians to to play music and also to teach music. And this project that you just mentioned and we we're going to hear about is from um, part of the faculty recital that I um, pre-recorded with my uh, my friend Cosima Luther, and which actually will be presented tomorrow through Pepperdine University at the faculty recital. And... Um, the part that you're going to hear today are a few of the Bartok's duets, which um, originally were written for the vi uh, violin, but they are also played by violas very often. And this combination that you're going to hear is just violin and viola, so I'm actually reading the original duets on viola. Okay, well, just before we hear them, uh, Carolina, could you tell us the names of each one? We're doing 14, 16, and then 36. So what are the names? Yes, 14 is a pillow dance, uh, 16 is a burlesque, and 36 is a bagpipe. And those are all folk, folky um, duets written by Hungarian composer Bartok, mostly for the pedagogic pedagogical reason, but they are also performed widely now. Well, I, I love the fact that these are going to be presented tomorrow at Pepperdine University, but today we get to hear them on the Life Changes show. Here is Karolina Nadjimic uh, performing as a violist in this violin duo, uh, a violin and viola duo live uh, pre-recorded on the Life Changes show.
two. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much, Carolina, <laughs> yeah, those for are sharing fun. those videos. <laughs> those are fun to play and fun to listen, so I'm glad that we could include it. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Well, actually, I should let everybody know that Carolina sent the three of them for us to decide which one we wanted to play, and we liked them all so much, so we said, let's play all three. <laughs> so uh, Carolina's website is uh, on our website, uh, but just in case, I, I do want to spell the name for you. Catalina is with a K-A-R-O-L-I-N-A, and Najimich is N-A-Z-A-Z-I-E. N-A-Z-I-E-M-I-E-C. Uh, right, N-A-Z-I-E-M-I-E-C dot com. Yeah, it's a lot of letters, <laughs> I think I started in the wrong place when I wrote the last <laughs> yes. But um, Facebook is Carolina Jazz. So it's K-A-R-O-L-I-N-A Jazz. Uh, so uh, Carolina, actually, uh, the you use the name Carolina as uh, a jazz performer, a jazz vocalist. And so your songs of hope, you... Uh, uh, sing as Carolina, and we're going to not only get to hear you sing live, which is going to be very special tonight, we're going to get to hear you sing a, a song which has probably rarely ever been heard in this country, uh, and if ever, and uh, to hear you sing in Polish. Tell us about the song. Carolina? Carolina? Hello, Carolina. What happened? Yes, yeah, I just got disconnected. I'm back. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> what a timing, well, right? <laughs> wow. Okay, I was saying that we were gonna get to hear you sing, uh, not only sing live, but sing in Polish. So please tell us about the song you're gonna sing. Yes. So um, the song um, that um, I'm gonna sing is. Um, partition song from Poland and um, it's called Whipping Willows which in original um, is Rozszumiały się wierzby płaczące and it was known by me since I was a child um, my grandma used to sing it and I always knew it as a song from um, the World War era um, and when I recorded, actually, and I was trying to license it and do my duties to it, I find out, actually, that the song is based on 
on a song um, written by a Russian composer. Uh, part of it is um, a music for the um, like the anthem from the century ago, but um, by anonymous artists, um, the text was a little changed, and the melody mostly stayed the same. But it it says about um, a girl who who weeps for for the soldiers who are in the forest, and the future is a little unknown, but with the hope that um, everything will be fine and they. They will go back home and they will um, survive. Well, thank you for that. And you have done an arrangement that's very different from the traditional and share with us that, if you would. That, that's correct. So uh, usually it was sang in a way of a march, like very marchy and like army kind of song. And um, the arrangement that was made for for my song by um, another Polish and very talented friend of mine, Robert Lewandowski, who lives in L.A., um, is quite delicate and in a, in a way romantic. And I also have a, a little viola solo there. In the song. Uh, wonderful. Okay. Well, here is Carolina uh, performing. Let's see actually... how it's going to be <laughs> technically. <laughs> yes, actually, this is interesting. As you're getting ready, I'm going to say that I was listening as we were doing a, a test before the show. And it's interesting how uh, we couldn't get certain equipment to work, but the equipment that did work makes it sound like it's coming from a Victrola from like the 1920s. So I, I, this is actually perfect. So here is Catalina. <laughs> okay. Live on the Life Changes Show. Rozpłakała się dziewczyna w głos Odła oczy podniosła płaszczące Na żołnierski, na twarde życia los Odła oczy podniosła płaszczące Na żołnierski, na twarde życia los I w szum nie wiesz, by nam żalu Nie jest źle, 
Do tańca grają na granaty, bitów szczek. Śmierć kosi mi była, lecz my nie znamy, co to lęk. Carolina Najemiec, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Was, thank you so much. That was so special. So find her on Facebook at Carolina Jazz. And I'm going to do this one more time. Uh, the website is Carolina with a K, A-R-O-L-I-N-A. And then Najemiec is N-A-Z-I-E-M-I-E-C dot com. Thank you once yes. again. And if anyone wants a copy of the CD, they can contact me through Messenger or my website, and it's possible to get it. The CD is Songs of Hope, and you could see on our website uh, a YouTube video of, of the making of Songs of Hope. Uh, thank you once again, Catalina. And with that, we also time. want to thank our good doctor once again, Dr. Randall Bell. And on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our producer and co-host, Mark Leisure, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, reminding you that as your life changes, like ours surely did tonight, we're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes. <laughs>